I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining me this evening, co-host Will Miles. You can find him on his site, readreaction.com, readreaction YouTube, and on Twitter at Will Miles SEC. Well, this one, I don't think it can get any busier. I think this week is already, already setting up to be just uh, one of those, in a good way, busy weeks. Yeah, man, it's too bad we have real jobs and can't do <laughs> can't do this all the time. But uh, you know, you 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 coined the moniker. There's never a dull moment. Years and years and years ago, and uh, little did you know how uh, yeah. how prescient that was, buddy. So uh, yeah, look, I mean, hey, it's better than bad news, right? No credit card yeah. scandals or anything like that going on. We got recruits coming in. We got the spring game coming up. We got receivers scoring touchdowns the linebackers actually playing well so you know all the spring lies are in full full swing but I, I like hearing it man I like hearing it so so it's better than the alternative which is you know a couple of years ago we heard the offensive line couldn't block anybody and yeah. uh, that turned I think that's 2017 that turned out to be uh, a harbinger of bad things to come so hopefully some of the news we got coming out is uh is true and positive and and certainly we'll go over some of that Absolutely. Plenty to get into on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Of course, these receivers, they're adjusting to their new coach, Billy Gonzalez. So we'll get to hear from Coach Gonzalez, Ricky Pearsall, Xavier Henderson, and Caleb Douglas. And you'll also get the outlook for the Orange and Blue game on Thursday night, Will. And I will give you what we're looking for uh, on on Thursday night. You're probably looking for a lot of the same things we are. So Will and I, just joking before we came on here and uh, gave that topic and Will said the same thing that I said in my head uh, and earlier on, on News for Jacks t- t- today when we were doing our short spring game previews. So um, I'm pretty sure about 90% of you are going to be, the, be there along with us uh, when we uh, give our little spring game outlook for Thursday. But everybody, before we get started, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Before we get started on this episode of Gators Breakdown, it really helps us out here on the YouTube version. And join Gators Breakdown Plus. Link is in the description. Get access to that Discord server where you can keep the conversation going and get those ad-free podcast versions of the episode. All right, well, let's get into a little bit of news uh, first before we get into this receiver and spree game outlook. Uh, Kanan Daniels, of course, big commit there for the Gators today. Four-star running back. Did an episode earlier today. You can go check that out. So we won't go too of a deep dive here. You can get my thoughts there. Uh, but, Will, one thing I did confirm throughout the day, Florida's going to be done at running back for, for, for this class. And of course, you got, you, you got two uh, right now uh, with the commitment of, of Daniels. So, you know, throw it up here to Chauncey Bowens, uh, who is the staff's top of the board. They love this kid. Chauncey Bowens got his commitment early. He's in the class. Kanan Daniels today. Florida gets their two running backs. And you know, there was some question, would they take a third? You know, we don't know. Montreal Johnson could leave after this year. Cam Carroll would be on his way out too, you know, a- a- after um, his eligibility runs up. So it gives you, you know, 
Trevor Etienne, Trayon Webb, and these two freshmen next year. So would Florida go after a third? Of course, some big running backs on campus this past weekend. But asking around today from everything I've been told, it's going to be these two running backs not looking for another one in the class of 24. Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard to argue with the uh, with, with the track record of this staff on running backs, right? I mean, they bring <laughs> exactly. Montrell Johnson over from over from Louisiana. He immediately takes the mantle as the starter. They bring in Trevor Etienne. We sort of thought, hey, maybe he'll work in a little bit as a true freshman, and you know, we'll see him every once in a while. But immediately, he beats out Lorenzo Lingard, and he beats out uh, you know to the point where you've got guys like Demarcus Bowman transferring out, and Etienne plays a major role. So I, I think you know, just given that track record, you say, look. You're going to have to trust him when you talk about Kanan Daniels and, and when you talk about uh, you know the running backs that they bring in. I, I think, you know, look, this is a four-star guy, 358th overall in 24-7's rankings. Um, you know, but now the Gators have six commits for 24 with an average player rating of 94.1. This is the kind of recruiting that we've talked about from the start that Billy Napier need to have, needed to have in order to compete with the Georgias and the Alabamas of the world. He's starting to get it done. And look, I mean, he's still got to finish up this class. It's only six guys in. But, you know, we said at the end of 2023 class that 2024 needed to be huge, and he's well on his way to accomplishing that. You can see that there in the, in the graphic. You've got up three top 40 guys. And then a guy at 200, a guy at 358, and a guy at 506. That, that's, that's the kind of class that if you can supplement with that sort of average player ranking for the rest of the class, people are going to be very, very happy with where the Gators end up overall. Absolutely. Well, before we go, one, one more thing, just to remind everybody, you know, these eye-popping stats here, mostly from the quarterback position for, for Kane and Daniels, and you'll see him in those you know, run-heavy formations that you just don't see across college football all too much, or at least the college football we watch. Uh, you don't see those formations a good bit. Uh, but, Will, I mean, whoo, 10 yards to carry, uh, you know, direct snaps, uh, defenses know the run game is coming from Kane and Daniels, you know, whether it be – you know, some uh, just, you know, wishbone-looking offense, you know, three running backs in the backfield. I mean, this is what he's bringing to the table. So, I mean, the last two years, 10.9 yards of carry, 10 yards of carry. This past year, over 200 yards of carry, uh, or 200 carries on the year, 24 touchdowns. Man, I mean, it's uh, interesting to see how it translates. But, uh, you know, I think that probably has something to do with the ranking a bit, you know, him playing the quarterback position. But, you cannot argue with the stats there. No, I mean, they look really impressive. The only thing I would say as a negative is that 200 carries in a year, so 203 carries last year, that, that's a lot of carries for a running back. You're starting to get, and uh, granted, playing from the quarterback position and granted averaging 10 yards a carry, but still, that's a lot of carries. That's a lot of wear. And so, you know, the question will be once you transfer him over to the running back position and then, uh, you know, I don't think there's any question about his vision and those sorts of things. The question will be, how does it translate? And then the other question will be, you know, with a guy who's getting 200 carries a year, what does that mean in terms of injury risk and those sorts of things? That's the stuff you'd, you'd watch out for, though you would hope, again, in 23-24 in, in that, uh, you know, they would take care of him at the high school <laughs> level for, for his college prospects. And I'm sure that's a big part of the conversation as well, right, that, that high school coaches want their players to – um, to succeed at the next level, and managing that's going to be a big part of it. So I actually wouldn't be surprised if in this year he took a step back in terms yeah. of the total number of carries, just because 203 carries a year is a lot of carries for somebody over a high school season, and I'm sure they're going to be looking out for that moving forward. Yeah, hopefully the 24 touchdowns. Hopefully he didn't get touched on those 24 touchdowns. So <laughs> maybe subtract about 25 of those and maybe some runs out of bounds. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, he, he is a weapon. They use him. They know how good of a weapon he is. Yeah, we'll see what his senior year holds um, as he 
puts uh, puts together a senior season uh, and makes that transformation from you know mainly a quarterback to the running back position there for the Gators. And a little bit more news before we move forward. Offensive lineman David Connor transferring away from the Gators, going to open up a scholarship uh, spot there uh, for the Gators. Will Richard freshman dealt with some injuries that has set him back. Florida has brought in some transfers. Florida has brought in some freshmen that have been impressive so far this spring. So um, you probably could figure an offensive lineman would probably hit the portal uh, sometime during spring, after spring, and we get our first transfer news of the spring with David Connor on his way out. Yeah, not a huge surprise. I think when you've got transition classes, oftentimes you're putting those things together quickly. That's going to be one of the questions for Billy Napier is there was a lot of turnover for both the transition and the bump class for Dan Mullen. There's a lot of transition or a lot of turnover for the transition class for Jim McElwain as well. Is Billy Napier going to see that same level of transition, same level of of attrition for his transition class or is he going to be able to keep it mostly together? Now, granted, remember, go back that Napier sort of sort of nuked the transition class and decided to build it from the ground up with guys that he'd already evaluated, guys that he was comfortable with, was asking guys to send him tape, and that didn't necessarily go over well with some of the guys who had committed to Dan Mullen. Um, Connor was part of that class, but again, it's still something sort of speed dating where you're trying to decide, you know, is this a good fit? You're trying to bring somebody in and those sorts of things. So um, much more time to evaluate guys like Caden Jones, guys like Roderick Kearney, um, and some of those freshmen who are coming in. And so if Connor had fallen behind those guys in the depth, chart along with the transfers of Keontae Goodwin and and uh, George there at tackle you know all of a sudden if you fall behind those guys you don't really see a path to starting and so or even really getting major time as a backup and so if you're not developing I understand as a player why you'd want to go someplace else so again you know committed to Billy Napier believed in the vision came to Florida say thank you and hopefully he's able to to pick up well but hopefully this also says something about where the offensive line is going if some of those younger guys have already passed him then that's that says something about the quality of the guys who are coming in 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 this bump class that Billy Napier's brought in. Absolutely, and then, you know, this is an offensive line that's kind of been beat up through spring practice as well. So uh, Connor was part of that uh, a little bit, but also uh, with those, you know, he doesn't see a path here at, at Florida, as Will said. Hopefully, he goes finds a home somewhere uh, and goes succeed. Uh, for his college football career. So, all right, let's get into the meat of the episode right here. Let's get into wide receiver talk for the first time uh, with a deep dive this spring and the return of one Billy Gonzalez. Of course, we hit that when it happened, but now we get to hear from him for the first time. So let's hear from Billy Gonzalez on his return and this wide receiver room that he's got his hands on now. It's an honor to be back in this building. Uh, and I don't, I, I, I wear this, we're, the, we're this Gator logo with great pride, and I really believe that um, you know this is home to me, and it means a ton. Um, so to have the opportunity, like I said, I'm very humbled to be in this this position, uh, very honored. Uh, I'm more hungry than I've ever been to have an opportunity to, to to be a part of a program and see it continue to go forward in the journey. Coach Napier is uh, a fantastic man, family man, uh, extremely organized, extremely detailed. Um, does a great job. So uh, I'm excited to have the opportunity to learn uh, from Coach. Um, he's been in the he's been in the meeting rooms with quarterbacks, receivers, and some great ones. So it's again a chance for me to not just not just learn from him as a head coach, but from a position coach that he's coached some great players from that standpoint as well. The biggest thing for me is just a lot of the football terminology is different, obviously. So just learning the football terminology, different splits, different alignments, all the little intricacies. Um, you know when when 
when you dive into an offense or a defensive scheme, you could put, you could put whatever you want on paper, but there's always little things that you, you want to pick up and be able to change or move that will help the, uh, the people play the position and help you learn it. So that's kind of the process I'm in right now. Just going through the different guys, you know, they've got great work ethic. Uh, there's length, there's quickness, there's size. Uh, I, I'm fired up to have an opportunity to coach them. Um, everybody's a little different. Everybody's a, a, a little uh, unique in what they bring. But uh, as far as them learning, they've done a great job here. Coach did a great job. Um, coach Kerry, who was the receiver coach before me, Coach Deck, uh, Coach Mason, all the guys that work within that room, Coach Tiger, they've done a great job because it's a really good unit. It's a very cohesive unit. Um, and they communicate really, really well with each other. Uh, and they've got a they've got a vision to work together. So uh, I give uh, I give tons of credit to the uh, to the uh, coach the, the coaches that have been here in the past as well. The way the offense is built, coach has done a fab fabulous job in in the in the fact that it, you can play multiple positions quickly um, because there's so much detailed by other position coaches that kind of help in the process and, and expedite that learning. So they've done a great job. Um, allowing players to play fast at an early uh, at an early uh, journey in their in their career. Will some strong words there for Billy Gonzalez absolutely sounds very prideful about putting that orange and blue back on having that gator on his chest like he says you know he's uh, been here he's been here twice now and uh, was of course you know looking and itching uh, to, to get back and then the, the quote will I mean Hungrier than ever. I mean, so, you know, he's been here under Urban Meyer. He's been here under Dan Mullen and now says he's, you know, hungrier than ever. And probably a little bit of a dose of reality after, you know, what happened with the last staff and, you know, having some success under Dan Mullen and everything's going good. And you have uh, his resume in 2020 of coaching, you know, Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts and Freddie Swain and Josh Hammond throughout his career at, at Florida. And then it all comes crashing down and, you know, he finds himself at FAU and, uh, you know, maybe Marshall, and then all of a sudden now he's back here at Florida. I mean, it's been a been a journey for for one Billy Gonzalez over you know just over a year. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think it's probably refreshing for somebody to get a fresh start. Now, some of that was at FAU, obviously, with 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 Taggart there in 2022, but also between the Urban Meyer and the Dan Mullinary, he had some time at LSU and at mm -hmm. Illinois as well. But you sort of need those things every once in a while. You would think as a football coach to sort of recharge, learn different systems, understand what other other teams are doing, how they're responding, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Like it's really easy to get into a rut where you say, this is our offensive system. We've been doing this for years. This is what's successful. And then if you don't bring in enough outside, if you don't bring in enough, enough outside input, then it's very difficult to actually get better, right? Because one of the things about all the transition at the coaching level in college football is that you're going to constantly sort of be mixing ideas as you bring in different people into your staff. So I think it's the same thing with, with Armstrong, a defensive coordinator. And I think it's the same thing with Gonzalez. Gonzalez is going to learn a lot from coach Napier, but I think coach Napier is going to learn a lot from Billy Gonzalez just in terms of, you know, how do you develop receivers at <laughs> Florida? Like Napier has not developed receivers who are this talented coming in. It's a different kind of guy. Receivers tend to be a little bit more high maintenance. And especially when they're like four and five star guys coming in, they tend to be a little bit more high maintenance. So Billy Gonzalez has experience with guys like Percy Harvin and Bubba Caldwell. 
Um, he had experience building a guy who used to be a quarterback like Kadarius Tony, like you mentioned. And then the guys who came in with with pretty good profiles, but really struggled for a couple of years until Dan Mullen came in. The guys like Freddie Swain, Josh Hammond, Tyree Cleveland, and, and that ilk. And so he's and Van Jefferson, Trevon Grimes. So he's sort of used to dealing with guys who might come in through the transfer portal. So Gonzalez has been around for a long enough time that he's gonna ha- he will have seen every single thing that anybody could have could have thrown at him. The difference is is now he's seeing it through a prism of an offense that's very very different than the spread offense that Urban Meyer or Dan Mullen ran. And so I think in some ways you're sort of mixing the good with the good there, right? That it's I I think. You know, I, I'm on record as saying I think Billy Napier moving to like the offenses that are going to utilize two tight ends are going to be the next innovation to take advantage of the fact that defenses have already adjusted what they're doing to the spread offenses. And it used to be speed, 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 and get the linebackers and the safeties in matchups you didn't want. Well, now they got guys at linebacker and safety who can run just like those guys you've got out there on the edge. And the and the answer is going to be is going to be muscle them up front. And so teams with guys like Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington are going to take advantage of that. But also you're going to have to have big wide receivers. You're going to have to have wide receivers who can block. You're going to have to have all sorts of different things to, to counter that. And so, um, look, football cyclical. And so Billy Gonzalez was part of that cycle, you know, at Utah, at Bowling Green, and then at Florida with uh, with Urban Meyer, then spent a lot of time with Dan Mullen. I think having a fresh start somewhere, but with all of that background really helps him to be a good fit, particularly for where Florida had to choose from at this point in the cycle, right? It's not as though there were just wide receiver yeah. coaches all over the place when Kerry Colbert decided to leave. You know, you feel great for Colbert, but it leaves Florida in a little bit of a lurch. The fact that Gonzalez was available, I think, is a big time hire for uh, Billy Napier, especially considering if if Gonzalez is truly bought in to this offense, I think he's going to bring a lot to it. That brings up an interesting point too uh, of Napier uh, at the event last week here in Clay County. He was mentioning how this new NFL calendar really messed with. It. So that's something you know, college coaches, NFL coaches are kind of maybe talking their way through this off season of trying to figure something out to to help the calendar. You know, kind of going back to that a bit. Uh, but yeah, you know, kind of going there too. You know, Napier even you know wide receiver coach back at Alabama recruiting some high level wide receivers there, you know, four stars and five stars uh, there. So I think he, he knows what he wants in a wide receiver coach. I mean, he's he he has coached the position at a high level, coached the position at a high level at an SEC school uh, like Alabama. So I think, you know, anybody he chooses there to, to the wide receivers, I think he's looking for a certain – uh, you know, certain traits at that wide receiver wide receiver coach position. Uh, so I, I think that kind of speaks highly of this too. But, well, I am interested. You know, him Gonzalez coming in. And kind of came in what, but like, through the middle of spring practice. He wasn't even here at the beginning of spring practice, and he has to learn. As he said, I have to learn the terminology, and it is terminology of what you were saying—a brand new offense. He's used to the spread of Urban Meyer, Dan Mullen, be with him for so long. As you said, had the stints at LSU and Illinois. Didn't last too long uh, before he got back into the fami- the system he's so familiar with. So uh, it is. Uh, I'm 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 interested in, in, in seeing how he adjusts. Also, spe- specifically. Because he came in halfway through spring, so that kind of is an interesting timeline there uh, for one Billy Gonzalez. Yeah, the only thing I would say to that is that getting off man coverage and making <laughs> sure that and 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 you know or settling in the zone, like the different right. things that you end up having to teach from a footwork perspective are pretty universal. Yep. you're not. You're there might be different 
ways of teaching those things, but you're trying to end up at the same concept. Now, maybe the receivers end up in a different spot. Maybe you have to teach them, you know, like if you think about the Mike Leach offense, where basically they just run four verticals all the time, then the receivers make adjustments to open space. Okay, that's different, but that's not what Napier's doing. There, there is some four verticals in the offense, but it's it's not necessarily the thing they do over and over and over and over again. Um, and so, look, there's going the, the exact same things from a technique perspective that he was teaching in Dan Mullen or Urban Meyer's offense he's going to be teaching in this offense as well it's just going to be a question of where do they go what are the route combinations how are you making the reads easy for the quarterback and then what kind of yeah like he said the you know the splits you know how far they are from the offensive lineman where they line up you know near the hash or how far away from the sideline i mean there's those yeah those type of different things that are so much different from the spread offense that you know going to this you know more pro style uh, yeah. yeah. Though at the same time, I think I think one of the things that'll be interesting is bringing in somebody who doesn't know all that stuff mm. means that it will point out which players do. So you know, you think about you you show up at a practice and the kid knows what he's supposed to do. You go, okay, that's a guy who studies his playbook, yeah. right? And in fact, if the kid is correcting the coach, then you've got somebody that you know was studying the playbook. And I think trust is a big thing, especially with a guy who comes in late. And so, you know, that's building up that trust between Gonzalez and the other receivers. Obviously, with guys like uh, Xavier Henderson, he was here when Billy Gonzalez right. was here. <laughs> so there probably is a level of trust there. But beyond that, it's okay if, if Aiden Mizell comes in and we handed him his playbook and he comes in and he's prepared and he knows what he's supposed to do and you're sort of learning it with Mizell and you're making the same mistakes as that's going on. Well, hey, one, that's relatable. And two, it tells you whether Mizell is somebody you're going to be able to trust to study in the fall. And same thing with with Andy Jean, same thing with Caleb Douglas, those sorts of guys. So, look, I think whenever you go through transition, whenever you go through change, it's always a challenge. The question is going to be, does that challenge make you stronger, or does that challenge you sort of hold on to the old ways of doing things? Um, The good news is, is I suspect that many of these guys committed to Billy Napier with Kerry Colbert as sort of a a reason, but not the reason. And so as long as that's the case, then switching over to to Billy Gonzalez, especially with the relationships he's had with a couple of the guys who are already on the stat, or already on the team, who know him and can sort of you know, vouch for him and are already going to be bought in, I think makes a big difference. But like you mentioned, I mean, the timing is not great. And so, so the idea that Gonzalez would have been the number one choice had Billy Napier had his pick of everybody, I think is probably misguided, but given where they were, I think this is a very positive development for the team and a positive development for the wide receivers overall. Well, you talked about trust and Hey, probably the receiver he can trust the most right now is one Ricky Pearsall. So we get to hear from Gonzalez on Pearsall and Pearsall on you know his game and getting adjusted to Billy Gonzalez. He's fantastic. You know he's got great leadership ability. Um, he's got good size. He's tall. He's taller than I thought he was when I was coming in. But he's and he's got great change of direction and he's got really good top end speed. Super smart football player. Wants to wants has a lot of a lot of want. You know, and when I say that, there's a, a lot of want. He's he's constantly texting, wanting to ask questions as far as what what can I get better at? What what do we do? Can we learn? Uh, how can I get be, how can I get open off of this leverage? Billy G, he got a. Coach G, he got a big resume, you know. He put a lot of guys in the league, you know, and especially, you know, here in Florida. And, you know, I'm just trying to take as much knowledge away from him as I can. I think, uh, you know, a bunch of receiver coaches have their own ideologies and knowledge that they can give to me and I can take away from them. And, you know, that, that's the biggest thing for me is, like, how much uh, knowledge can I take away from Coach G? You know, he's, he's a knowledgeable guy. He knows a lot about uh, techniques and as being a receiver, so just taking the most away from him. What was the sense of comfort? Up? Hmm? Have you picked something up? 
uh, all kinds of things. Him? Yeah, okay. yeah, all kinds of things. You know, he he's on me. You know, and he's a he's a big <laughs> critic on me, and I love it. You know, and that, that's something I needed. You know, and you know, I tell Coach G all the time. You know, let's get let's get together, and watch some film, and you know, he he reaches out to me and uh, checks on me before practice, and telling me to let, let's have a good day today. You know, he's he's a players coach, and you know, I really enjoy. Biggest criticism. No, yeah. uh, what do you say? Biggest criticism, like on me, like yeah. What is what's, it? He, what's he? What's he kind of hammer you on? Uh, all kinds of things, man. You know, there's, <laughs> there's there's so many aspects of being a receiver. There's all kinds of things, but okay. you know, just you know, knowing your assignment, you know, and uh, you know, finishing every play. That's one thing that he's big on is you know, finishing, you know, and uh, getting a winning position, you know. So those those are some things that he's really big on. And obviously, making him a big play. That's one thing that he breaks down the, the receiver group at the end of the practice. He's Big play on three, you know. So he he's a big play guy, you know. You gotta be explosive with the ball in your hands. Just be explosive all across the board, you know. You know, I just break it down to the finest details. You know, I think there's so many. I think route running is just an art, you know. And sure. I tell people all the time that don't know really like what football is. I just like <laughs> tell them like it's like Picasso out there, you know. That's what you gotta be, you know. It, it, it's an art. There's so many different things you guys to set guys up, you know, stems, leverages. It's, you know, you got to think like a DB, you know, that's that's the big thing that, you know, Coach G always talks about is, you know, would that DB have believed that release, you know what I mean? So just things like that. I think a whole another year of experience and playing college football and another year under Billy G is going to be really important for me, you know, it's just some more knowledge that I could take away from, you know, another coach that has his experience, you know, sure. and you know, there is uh, NFL uh, special teams or receiver coach that came into our meeting and he was just giving a lot of possibility and so you could just kind of see you know what he means to those guys at the next level so you know just taking as much knowledge as I can away from him and you know, implement it into my game. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is The Deal. Each week you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Will, sounds like a pretty good relationship already brewing between Ricky Pearsall and, and, and Billy Gonzalez. And I got thinking, I don't know how many wide receiver coaches he had at Arizona State, but if you include Arizona State... We include Kerry Colbert last year. Now, Billy goes, I mean, he's at least on his third wide receiver coach, so he's getting some experience, as he said. There's different ideologies out there. So Ricky Purcell, at least on his third different wide receiver coach uh, here. But something I'm looking forward to, Will, and I, the route running and, and, and catching the ball, and we'll, we'll get into just something else here. But Billy Gonzalez and his development of wide receivers, one thing they've really been known for is being able to block and being able to block for the running backs. And to me, Pierce Hall was already pretty good at that. I'm ready to see maybe even another leap there. Uh, but I'm, of course, looking for leaps as pure receiver and all the abilities it takes to be a wide receiver. But there has been a reputation uh, of being a good blocker that I saw last year. I want to see uh, a jump there. But well, we got to remember, Pierce Hall didn't go through spring last year. He was a late transfer. He was very limited in fall camp last year as well. So this is his first conditioning with the team, with Billy Napier and, and that and, and that process. And then, um, you know, being so limited last year, you know, finally we were wondering if he was going to play in the Utah game, <laughs> the first game of the season last year uh, when, when he was banged up. So you know, his first camp got Florida and kind of going through, he says the biggest thing he wants to improve on um, 
Billy Gonzalez was stressed to him, you know, making bigger plays with Yak, yards after the catch. And that was something I actually thought we would see more of from Pierce all last year, going back and looking at his Arizona State film, taking a screen to the house or taking a slant to the house. We didn't see a whole lot of that. Uh, got some sprinkles of it. And then, you know, toward the end of the season, the FSU game had a huge game, especially in the first half there of, the, of that game. But you know, maybe a better blocker. Maybe you know, yak for him for some big plays. And, and you know, I want to see Pearsall become that threat when he touches the ball anywhere on the field. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the blocking because if you remember real early in the year, there were a bunch of screen passes to nowhere <laughs> where the ball was going up to Xavier Henderson and he was getting tackled for like minus two yards every time. And in many ways, that was because the Gator receivers were struggling to block at the point of attack. Yep. Right? They had a numbers advantage, but when the ball got out there, they couldn't actually get the guy on the ground in order to give the receiver an opportunity to go. And so they had to make adjustments. They wound up going downfield much more often. That fit Anthony Richardson's skills and abilities better, but all those all those digs and hitches and all that stuff where Pearsall was open over the middle, that was sort of in response to we're not really getting what we need with these outside uh, with, with these outside screen passes where we'd like to use that as an extension of the run game. They just really weren't able to do that for most of the year. Now, they did make an adjustment and bring Pearsall in closer to the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. had him running more reverses and things like that sort of towards the end of the year i suspect we'll see some of that as well because he proved to be pretty adept at that sort of thing you'd yeah, love to have but, him. but before you go before you go further that's where i noticed his blocking too when they brought him closer to the line that's where i noticed he was a pretty good blocker at the same time yeah i mean shorter was the guy that i think when you really noticed struggled on the <laughs> outside with outside with blocking but but part of that is, is if you want yards after the catch, you're going to have to put a hat on the hat. You're going to have to make guys sort of dodge the block, right? So you still have to be in the right spot and then make them decide, am I going to go through the blocker or am I going to try to go around him? You go around him, it gives the receiver an opportunity to cut the other direction. All of a sudden, you get a lot of yards after the catch. Like you said, they got some of that against Florida State, but for the most part, it was Anthony Richardson having to hit a guy in stride with a bomb or it was those those throws over the middle where he's going over a linebacker under a safety. That was really the only that was the only real semblance of a passing game, other than some of those flood routes and things like that, that that they ran on a fairly regular basis. I think there's going to be a lot more quick game this year. I mean, that's one of the things that when you you know Seth Varnador did a nice job breaking down Graham Mertz, and I think Jack Miller's going to be the same way. That when you um, when you go to a guy who's less physically talented than Anthony Richardson for two reasons. One, just the arm talent in general. But two, Anthony Richardson did a great job of not getting sacked, right? That if there was pressure in the backfield, he was able to get away from it. These guys aren't going to be able to do that. So one of the things that I think we'll see this year is a lot more quick game type stuff where you're trying to get it out to a receiver in space where there are blockers out there. Now, I think it's a waste to throw it out there and let Pearsall block. I think for the <laughs> most part, you want to get the ball to Pearsall and have other people block. But but again, if Pearsall shows that he's capable of putting the block together and you've got and, or putting the block at the point of attack and you've got receivers who can take the ball to the house, then yeah, you want to take advantage of that. So I, I think I think Gonzalez was very clear, and I think Dan Mullen was very clear when he was here too, that you didn't get on the field as a receiver if you couldn't block. And so, um, yeah, the physical nature of the wide receivers is going to improve this year just by just by virtue of another year in the system, a full year in the system for Pearsall. And then, uh, like you said, those explosive plays, the yards after the catch, he showed that at Arizona State, right? I mean, mm-hmm, he showed right. the ability yep. to make that yard after catch play. The problem is, is when you don't have great placement from the quarterback, right. it becomes difficult to hit those big plays where you have the ability, you know, on a, on a little hitch route, you get the ball right in the numbers, you can turn either direction. Or there but were and there, there were times last year he's going over the middle and the pass is behind him he can't he can't stay in stride too so yeah that that those went through my head as well. 
Yeah, but the big ones that I remember are like the ones where it was like coming at their knees and they would have mm-hmm. to sort of bend down to get it. Yeah. And by the time they bent down to get it, they either touched their knees to the ground or they were getting tackled at that right. moment. And so when you've got a guy coming on a hitch and you're the quarterback, if you put it like, you know, maybe a foot to the right, that sort of signals to him, turn that way. You put it a foot to the left, it signals to him, turn that way based on the defender. And that kind of precision really makes a difference when you've got a guy who can do, who can, who can generate a lot of yak. So, um, you know, that's going to be the difference maker. I think when you look at a guy like Mertz, what can he do better than Anthony Richardson? There's not a lot that I think he's going to be able to do, at least not physically compared to Anthony Richardson, but can he have ball placement on the quick ball things where on the, in the quick ball game where you've got, receivers out there blocking but giving them direction in terms of where the yards after catch are going to come um, if if Mertz can do that then this offense can be pretty good just from the standpoint of I think they've got some pretty decent players out there at receiver certainly some fast fast players out there at receiver but I mean look the go-to guy all last year whenever Anthony Richardson got in trouble was Ricky Pearsall and I don't think that's going to change for Graham Mertz or Jack Miller or Max Brown or whoever ends up being the quarterback this year is you know because they don't have those established tight ends, Pearsall kind of default becomes the guy who's the security blanket on those third downs. At least he did last year. I suspect that's going to happen again this year as well. Like he's not a guy that they lined up on the outside and said, run, go routes. It was, if we get you in a position where there's an opportunity to take a shot, we will. But on third and seven, he's running something 12, 14 yards out there. He's not going, he's not going deep very often. It's going to be he's the security blanket. He's kind of the the Travis Kelsey of this particular offense right now, just in that it doesn't seem like anybody can cover him, even when they try to double cover him. Good point. Good point. Hopefully, hopefully that opens up if they're going to double cover him. Hoping, hopefully that opens up some other receivers there. But uh, before we do get to some other receivers, one more thought right here, uh, Ricky, on uh, why he came back. All kinds of things, man. There's a bunch of aspects going to it, really. Some personal, but, um, you know, just trusting in Nate and, you know, the rest of the coaching staff. Um, I think this team's talented. You know, we got a lot of parts that are coming back, and I think, you know, we got big plans ahead, and I wanted to be a part of it. So that, was, that was a big que- uh, question mark for me, obviously, when I was making my decisions, like, who's going to be throwing me the ball, you know? And I already had a relationship with Max and Jack, you know, and then uh, the coaches were telling me about Mertz coming in, so I was just, like, you know, reaching out to him, get to, you know, get a feel for him. You know, they just made me comfortable for coming back, you know, and I felt comfortable coming back. And, you know, I know my own ability, you know, and they know their own abilities. And, you know, just developing that relationship and trust with one another is probably the most important part. Yeah, I mean, they're both two really smart, talented guys, you know, and, you know, they're battling right now. And, you know, that's what these practices are about, you know. Coach Napier does a good job of, you know, putting them in situations where, you know, they have to battle for it, you know. And they're both doing a really good job. You know, we still got a lot of practices and time left before we make that decision. But, you know. So far, you know, I like what I'm seeing. There we go. Sounds like quarterback was a big part of uh, Ricky Pearsall coming back. Look, I know he got really close with Anthony Richardson, and Anthony Richardson was a big choice or a big reason he chose Florida in the first place. Uh, So doing his quarterback research, homework once again, brought him back to Florida instead of trying his uh, fortunes in the NFL there, Will. So uh, Ricky Pearsall coming back, thankfully so. Now, uh, I do wonder, you know, well, ha- had he known Kerry Colbert was going to go, <laughs> would, he have, would he have left? But, uh, you know, that's just a you know, revisionist history and maybe something to look back on. But, yeah, um, quarterback, a big part of it, and he's kind of just believing in what Billy Napier's building here. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I think we'd be we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the role that NIL probably plays in guys making Correct. decisions yeah. like this, where guys have the ability to stay for an extra year because there's an ability to make some money while you're in college. It's not an all or nothing like it used to be four or five years ago, and that plays a role. But look, the reality is, is I don't think Ricky Pearsall was a first-round draft pick coming out after last year. Right. I think he has the opportunity. If he has a big-time year, that's a guy that you could you could see rising up into the draft boards into either a first round pick or definitely in the second and third round. That's a difference of millions of dollars compared to a guy who's probably a third day pick coming out. You know, now we will we'll, you know it depends on your forty time, it depends on your athleticism, all that sort of stuff. But given the inconsistency that Florida had at quarterback, there was going to be. Um, you know, th- there was going to be some questions about his his true ability to carry an offense, you know, because of some of the inconsistencies we saw last year. So that inconsistency should be gone, at least in terms of what we saw last year. Now, maybe maybe it's going to be inconsistent in a different way, but in some ways, that's going to allow Pearsall to show off the things that he couldn't show off last year. Right? There was no quick game last year, or very little quick game. Now he's going to have an opportunity to show how he can block. He's going to have an opportunity to show what he can do on a screen when th- something's blocked properly. He's going to have the ability to get more yards after the catch and then when you combine that with the fact that he was able to beat guys deep last year now you've got a complete film picture for nfl scouts to look at as you come out you go into the combine you're in a 4-4 and all of a sudden you're sitting there in the in the top tier of wide receiver prospects so he has an opportunity to really move up this year and the nil aspect of it allows him to do that without the risk being what it would have been you know four or five six years ago good stuff good stuff all right we'll keep it going xavier henderson Will, big scrimmage from the wide receiver last week. Three touchdowns in the scrimmage where also had a hundred over 100 yards receiving. And Gonzalez says he's playing with confidence. It's great to see his transition uh, and can play multiple wide receiver spots. That's something that caught my ear in listening uh, to all these players talk and Billy Gonzalez talk is, you know, it's not just the X. It's not just the Y, not just the Z. They're going to cross-train these receivers to play at all these receiver spots. So uh, he says, you know, Henderson's coming to the realization that uh, he's coming into his own toward the end of his career. And he even says, quote, sometimes – that comes late. So it looks like hopefully, you know, all this is a uh, pretty good here for uh, Xavier Henderson, probably his last go around here at Florida this spring uh, showing out in the scrimmage. And uh, let's hear from him on the return of Billy Gonzalez and this spring so far for him. Coach Nate came and told me I was pretty excited. I ain't gonna lie. Um, Cause that's, that's the man who recruited me. Um, he was here when I first got here. He taught me the most I know about um, playing receiver. Is he the same Billy G or is there something? Yeah, he, nah, he's still about the same. Yeah, um, He's still bringing that same energy. Yeah, that's what I love about him. He'll be the same person regardless. So how contagious is that energy? Make you, uh, it's make contagious. You I feel like um, you can just go around the locker room asking how uh, how people feel about him. And, um, he going to coach you. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, he gonna, that's, that's a real coach. What, what kind of feedback did he give you on your game and how he feels like you've improved since he last saw you? Um, he kind of hit the ground rolling on what I need to improve on going forward. Um, I feel like that's something we will talk about like at the end of spring, like when we have coaches meetings and stuff like that. What does he so, want you to work on? Um, I'm working on pretty much in- anything, everything. Um, right now, probably playing bigger as a receiver, like I'm playing to my size. I feel like I had a pretty good scrimmage, um, stat wise. Um. I had three TDs, so it was probably one of the better scrimmages I had in college football, stat-wise. But I feel like I still left a lot out there. I'm trying to um, get all catches um, the whole spring. Deep balls, short balls, or what were the TD catches like? Um, One was deep. Um, 
Moe's uh, off a middle hook and a little um, rack touchdown. Um, yards out the catch, and the other was a red zone lockout play. Sure. I would definitely say they got a package for me. And uh, Coach Napier is working something up. Um, we got um, tons of different positions, and I'm trying to learn them all. I would definitely say they got a package for me. And uh, Coach Napier is working something up. Um, we got um, tons of different positions, and I'm trying to learn them all. There we go. Kind of different positions there, Will, and for Xavier Henderson. And, uh, you know, we'll see. As you said, last year there was points where he was getting some of the screen passes that maybe we thought maybe Ricky Persall should get. But if blocking would have been better, the yards after the catch would have been better. Had the big play and mostly busted coverage by Georgia, but biggest play of the season there for, for Xavier Henderson. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. And uh, I've had the question thrown at me, Will, and you may have gotten this too. You know, is it worrisome that the defense has given up three touchdowns to Xavier Henderson, who hasn't done much, uh, you know, at least at that level of his career so far? And I was like, look, we don't know all the details. It could have been the first team defense. It could have been the second team defense. It could have been third team defense. We don't know who, who, who Xavier Henderson was catching balls on, what the, what defense he, he was going against. But, uh, you know, hopefully that is translating, you know, late in his career where, you know, he maybe, his last year, he has his best season uh, as a Gator. You know, Bill Gonzalez returning, um, hopefully uh, can unearth something here in Xavier Henderson where we see something with a little more consistency. Uh, but at times last year, probably did his best in you know, breaking some tackles uh, you know, after the catch and, and making some important first downs, like going back and watch some games uh, recently. And, you know, it's just him breaking a tackle and making sure he gets the first down. You know, there were a few of those uh, last year, but maybe now something more consistently where we see some more plays like that. If he's in the screen game, getting some yards after the catch. But I'm still waiting for Xavier Henderson to be that more downfield threat. Yeah, I think it's really a question of consistency. Like, if you watch the Tennessee film last year, you come away really impressed mm-hmm. with the way Xavier Henderson played. There were, there were a bunch of, you know, sort of like he described, a hook with a with yards after catch. He did that last year a couple of times against Tennessee where it turned into first downs, put right. Florida in plus territory. I think it even happened on the opening drive where he sort of put them right at Tennessee territory. Anthony Richardson wound up getting stopped on a fourth down and two on that opening drive, but the tone was sort of set that that Florida knew they could take advantage of Tennessee outside, and all of a sudden they were doing that, not just with Xavier Henderson. He only had four catches that game. Six for 41 against Utah, but there were a couple of big ones in that one. The one I remember specifically is I think Florida was down like 13-7, to seven, and they were about to give the ball back to Utah. They get the ball to the outside. Henderson turns it into a first down, and I want to say that was the drive where Anthony Richardson ran for the touchdown there at the end of the half, puts Florida up 14-13 to 13 in that game going into the half. The hidden play there is getting that first down early on in that drive. And I think I want to say Xavier Henderson was a big part of that. Look, as you got further into the year, you got two catches for eight yards against Missouri, got four for 33 against AM, two for 15 against South Carolina. Certainly the consistency wasn't necessarily there, but the guy caught 38 balls last year. So clearly the staff thought a lot of him to get the ball in his hands. And as I said, it wasn't like those swing passes. You look at it and go, oh, they're getting it to Henderson again. Why doesn't he ever get something on the swing pass? Well, it's not his fault if he's getting hit two yards behind the line scrimmage and so you do need to look at the entire play when they run one of those screen passes now i know everyone gets upset about the motion that puts him you know sort of that orbit screen that puts him behind the quarterback but go watch the super bowl because kansas city used that motion over and over and over again to get themselves open against the eagles i suspect florida's going to have some counters this year off of that that they didn't necessarily have installed last year because they were still learning the offense i think xavier henderson will be a big part of that again the question will be do they decide to run that with pearsall like they did the second half of the year last year or are they going to go back to having henderson in that position 
or is it going to be interchangeable now that both of those guys have sort of played that position? You don't know where it's going to come from. Um, I think that'll be a big part of it, right? I mean, if you think about the Super Bowl with the Chiefs, you know, Canarius Tony runs it one time. They had a running back run that route one time. They really made it to where the Eagles didn't know what was coming. If they can do that, then I think uh, you know. Then I think Henderson. I mean, look, Henderson is going to be the guy who you look at and say Pearsall is the definitive number one. Henderson, if he can be the number two, then you can't, and he can be effective and start to make those big plays, especially yards after catch. Then you can't just double Pearsall indiscriminately, and that'll be the thing. Is he's got to be good enough to be able mm-hmm. to free up Florida's other wide receivers to where you can't take away Pearsall, and then you're sitting there going, who's left? Who's going to step up? And last year, you know, in many times that was sort of the case, and Pearsall was still able to get open quite a bit. But you know you had a you had a defense where they're sitting there going, we kind of know what's coming. We know where the ball is going, and and Henderson should be this year. His job is to make sure that people don't know where the ball is going on third and six. You know who's it going to go to? Where are they going to take the shot? Who's going to get it? The more you can do that, the more you can spread out the defense. The more success you're going to have. All right, so big scrimmage. Hopefully that translates to maybe the spring game. Maybe hope definitely during the season. We hope it translates. And look, I'm not so sure how many three touchdown, 100 yard performances we're going to get, but you know, hopefully something you know, where we can count on some consistency, as Will said there from Xavier Henderson. So one more uh, we'll, we'll hear about before we get into these freshman receivers a bit. Uh, let's hear from Caleb Douglas on Billy Gonzalez and his development so far as well. Working with him so far. He's like very, very like like things to a T. Okay. So like we out there blocking, you want to get the backside, you gotta go get the backside. Ain't no loggy gag and no no loft and none, none, none of that. Uh huh. So so what's you like that detail? Um, oh yeah, cause you be in practice, like we be out there like for real, for real, like like it's a game, it's a game setting. So we out there going hard every play, not even just on run, on, on passing plays, on blocking plays too. Okay. I feel like I developed a lot. I feel like my route running has became more of a like like bigger. I feel like all I had last year, I think I had too much sauce in my my bag that much. And then just this year, I feel like me as in like becoming a whole receiver, knowing the game, just like me knowing who to block, where to go, knowing how I'm supposed to catch, how I'm supposed to land, just 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 knowing the game really. Young receiver there, Caleb Douglas will. And one area emphasis uh, of emphasis specifically for him is being more physical and winning those 50-50 contested catches. Uh, that's what they're looking for for, you know, for Caleb Douglas as uh, he de- he develops uh, uh, with his first year under Billy Gonzalez. But as you said, no lollygagging around. It is uh, it is go, go, go. We look, we've seen some of the highlights on Twitter <laughs> the last couple of weeks of Billy Gonzalez and, and his receivers going at him. Uh, you know, I, I don't – think that was necessarily a it's different than what we were doing before but it's certainly something that's being stressed yeah i just want to see a back shoulder throw yeah that would be nice i I don't think we saw any back shoulder throws last year it was always a guy streaking down the sideline and we're going to try to hit him in stride for a big play i think when you go back and look at some of the things that they did under Dan Mullen, under Billy Gonzalez, one of the things you'll notice is that they did make some utilization of those back shoulder throws. You start talking about those 50-50 balls, that's that's a big part of it, right, is being mm-hmm. able to have the timing with your quarterback, back shoulder throws, and then the and then the corner doesn't know whether you're going to make a back shoulder throw or whether you're going to keep going and try to hit that deep shot. So that, I think, is a place where guys like Douglas, especially if they end up on the outside, can contribute. And the other thing that I think we've emphasized already, but I'm glad to hear, is him talking about physicality, right, that, mm-hmm. that you're going to have to block when you're out there. 
that's going to free everything up. I mean, the reality is, is especially if you're running three wides, and I think Napier's going to want to move to more two tight ends as he can get his guys in. I'm not sure he has those guys yet. And so as they're working to get those guys in, you're still going to see a lot of three wide receivers, which means the wide receiver in the slot is going to have to block. And so um, the fact that they're emphasizing that I think isn't surprising, but I think it is something that there's a history of Billy Gonzalez being able to get that out of people. And so the fact that, uh, that Douglas is saying that, and again, I think this sort of goes back to the history with Billy Gonzalez has been if you can't block, you can't play. And so I think we're going to see that. I think the guys who step up, and we we saw this with with running backs early on in the Dan Mullen era too. Uh, I think Jordan Scarlett was the one we were sort of asking about why isn't he playing in, immediately at running back? You know, he seems like the best runner, and the reason was he was struggling in pass protection. And so uh, you know we're going to see the same thing when it comes to uh, when it comes to wide receivers. I think that's a good thing. And so the fact that Douglas and Henderson and Pearsall have all mentioned blocking. I don't think it's an accident. I think that's that's an area of emphasis, and they're going to start working as a unit to free up the other guys, right? It's not just about running your route. It's about doing everything right so that your teammates can succeed as well. And if they can start doing that in concert, they're going to have a lot of success. All right, so let's get to these exciting freshmen, Will. We'll hear from Billy Gonzalez, Xavier Henderson, Caleb Douglas on Andy Jean, Aid Mazel, how they're coming along this spring. Uh, exciting group here. I know the fan base is excited for them. I'll share some poll results uh, <laughs> as we come back from the other side. But, uh, yeah, exciting group of freshmen that will be there in the fall, but only two right now in Andy Jean and Aiden Mazel. So here's Billy Gonzalez, Xavier Henderson, Caleb Douglas on those exciting couple of freshmen. The, the competition level is a lot faster than what they've done. You know, I should say they're bigger, they're stronger, they're going against, uh, you know, um, Coach Raymond does a great job in the back end back there. And so you're going against guys that, you know, you're competing against guys that he's coaching that are, are elite players, you know, that you get a chance to take those reps and practice with. So the biggest thing I think for them is just, one, the physicality part to, to the game. Two, the speed's a little faster overall. Now, what they're blessed with, both those guys are – they, they are great competitors, and I talk about what do I want out of this spring for me was I want competitors and finishers. So that's, that, that's if, as a goal for my unit. I said I want guys that are competing, and I want guys that are finishing. So competitors and finishers, um, they both got they, – they, they do a great job of that. They, they, they're not going to back down from anything. They're going to compete. They're lively. They're energetic. Um, uh, they're going to run around. And they bring they bring speed to the game. They're both fast football players, have good hands. Um, so for them, it's just about the faster they learn the offense, the faster they're going to play. Andy, yeah, he, he's doing pretty good. Um, he's still making that transition from high school to college, just getting acclimated um, on the field and off the field. So he got a lot to work on. But yeah, as for a freshman, yeah, he's gonna have a you gonna have a great year. Aiden's fast. Ain't gonna lie. That's a fast guy. <laughs> Aiden, Aiden Sly. Um, he having a good spring as well. And just like I said about Andy, they still kind of young. They still getting acclimated. Uh, like just making that transition from high school to college. But um, they got some. They got some. Some speedsters going in for this next recruiting class. Ain't gonna lie. You think Aiden's the fastest guy on the team? I don't know. He ain't, we got a race. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wanna, think he could beat you? No, uh, he probably could on a good day. Yes, sir. He probably could. <laughs> who, who I would never. Think? I ain't gonna lie. This is just my confidence. I would never say nobody faster than me. So, so who, <laughs> who do you think could beat him on the team? Um, if you had to pick a guy, I'd probably say Jamarcus Weston. He probably fast. Mm -hmm. He's line. Um, 
Jamarcus, um, Burke up there too. We got some fast receivers. Yeah, we got some sneaky fast guys though. <laughs> so I'll probably say like Khalil, Khalil Jackson, he up there too. Um, Trevor, it depends on what we running though. Yeah. Yeah. So like if it was a twenty, I'd probably give it to like Trevor. Um, forty and up is out of me. Aiden and yeah, by the Khalil. But Aiden is fast on the team. Well, when, did his, when did his speed first kind of stand out to you? I know for a fact, when we was out there running, we had like the last month of identity, I want to say. We out there running like our flying 40s, and like I'm rerunning. Aiden just right by everybody. We're like, ooh, Aiden running. Aiden running. <laughs> what does he have to work on in your mind to be able to take that speed and become a. Really, everybody got to work on the same thing. We all got to just become, I say, more consistent in our blocks, more consistent in our route running, things like that. When you look at a guy like Andy Jean, what stands out about him? And explosive. How he he's extremely explosive. For like him? He, he, like he's very, very fast, quick very quick twitch, getting out his brace well. Like he, he's great. When you look at what maybe a guy like that has to improve upon, how comfortable are you talking to a guy, just you know, being in your second year and giving them advice? Just, you know. Me, I'm just telling them like I'm just like yeah, cause we I, I kind of, we we really like kind of like the same. We both classified as freshmen still, so I would tell them like just like come in having like it's bigger than football. Like you you playing for the person next to you, like reps, even blocking, like all that matters. So like don't just come in like I'm telling everybody, don't come in thinking just like I I gotta get me, you gotta get everybody, cause it's a team. The team will, and hey, I think these group of freshmen are, are going to improve the team because I think they're they, they are proving to bring some competition into this room. Those guys are going to work their way into to get some catches. Uh, Caleb Douglas even extended that a bit. He goes even for his first season last year, he said it was the speed that was the hardest adjustments, like knowing what to do when you're supposed to do it. Because uh, you know if you can't you can't go out there thinking. You might be fast, but you're you're not playing fast if you're out there having to think about what you're doing. So adjusting to the game speed overall uh, is the biggest change that 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 there was for him. And now he's seen it with with these freshmen. Uh, as well. So, Will, probably no surprise. I'm, I threw up a, a poll last week on, on Twitter. It said, assuming Ricky Pearsall leads Florida in receptions for the 2023 season, does a true freshman, that would be Gene Mizell, Wilson comes in in the fall, end up second in receptions? Out of 1,457 votes, 84.1% said yes, that a, a true freshman would be second in receptions. So, look, of course, there's a lot of excitement uh, around this freshman group. That's one reason I, po I posted it. I was like, let me get a gauge on this. Just how excited is Gator Nation for these true freshmen? And we, we see all the highlights of Aiden Mazel, you know, catching that pass deep down the field from Max Brown a couple of weeks ago. We've heard the practice reports of Andy Gene of how fast he is and how good his route running is. And, you know, even more confirmation from these players, you know, you get him in and out of breaks. You know, he, he's a great route runner. He, just know, he knows what he's doing at, at, at this level. So two guys with speed. Uh, we'll, I think there's a lot of excitement on here. You know, it, it could be too much, you know, to sit here and say one of these guys are going to be second receptions when you have uh, some guys who have been on campus and played a lot of football like uh, Xavier Henderson and now Caleb Douglas who played a good bit last year and maybe some other guys looking to break out. Uh, you know, Travion Frazier, still him in that in that group as well. And a guy like Marcus Burt looking to break out this spring as well with a little bit of experience behind him the last couple of years. So there are some guys to jump for them to be in that second spot, but for at the very least – I do think they make this room better just by the competition. They are already proving that they can go out there 
and, and go against these guys that, that have been on campus for a couple of years. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to bring competition to the fold. I think the um, the fan base thinks these three are going to be starters by the, <laughs> at the end of their <laughs> freshman seasons. I think that's probably a little bit misguided. If you look at last year, I was just looking at the 2022 All-SEC freshman team. You got Evan Stewart. He was the 11th ranked player overall, had 52 catches, but only averaged like 12.6 yards per catch. Barry and Brown, who I think was the 98th player overall for Kentucky, Wound up with 50 catches, but again, averaged like 12 yards per catch. Um, and Brown, let's be honest, was playing for a Kentucky team that had lost Wandale Robinson and didn't really have a whole lot of threats at the wide receiver position. I think Florida has more depth and more returning um, more returning experience at the wide receiver position, so it would be surprising to me. Like This isn't a case where like ETN came in and was displacing guys who we projected to play but weren't guys who had necessarily played. Right, like Lingard and Demarcus Bowman and those guys had not gotten a whole lot of playing time. And if you remember, the season started with Naquan Wright at starter, Montrell Johnson is the backup, and then ETN is the third guy. Um, so ETN was able to work his way in there, and then just it became undeniable at some point that Johnson and ETN were the best players. But it took a little while to get to that point for the staff. I suspect it's going to be the same thing here, that even if these guys work in and become stars, or one of them becomes a star, it's going to take a little bit of time to get them to work into the, you know, I, I don't expect Aiden Mizell to have 12 catches for 140 yards against Utah, right? Maybe right. he does, and that would be great if he does the fact the other thing is is i don't think all three of these guys are going to work out because statistically that doesn't really happen you, you recruit three guys at this level you hope that two of them turn out but you probably figure that one of them really turns into a star but one star wide receiver is a big deal when you start combining them with guys like ricky pearsall and xavier henderson and jaquavian frazier's and even ty bowman right i mean being just a solid possession receiver. All of a sudden now you've got a group of receivers who can stretch the defense and put the defense in situations it doesn't want to be be in. Hey, maybe all three turn out to be stars, but I think that expectation is probably misguided. I don't think that that any of those three guys is going to be second on the team in receptions. I think when you look at the number of balls Pearsall got, the number of balls that Henderson got, those are the two main guys I look at and say, I think those guys are going to be around 40, 45 catches. And then everybody else is going to sort of be be fighting for table scraps. And these guys are going to get their fair share. I'm sure they'll make some big plays. But second in receptions, I think something's probably gone wrong if one of these guys is second in receptions for the team. Or maybe something's really, really gone right and they hit on one of them. But, um, you know, again, just the odds say that you're not going to have all three as true freshmen contributing in a heavy, heavy way. Um and, and I think if they are, we've got problems. And so, look, if, if Mizell is as fast as everybody says he is, yeah, you're going to have some go routes and the ball's going to be going out to him. But the offensive line has to block. Mertz or Miller have to deliver the ball. Like, there's a lot that has to happen to get the ball to a burner. Whereas if all you got to do is hit a 12-yard dig to, to Pearsall, that's a much easier throw, much easier to block. Like, those things are just much more reliable type of things. And those are the things where experience where experience starts to really breed those numbers, right? That Pearsall is going to settle in the zone appropriately. He and Mertz are going to read it the exact same way, and they're going to be able to complete that third down. Mizell... Gene and Eugene Wilson, those, those are guys who won't necessarily have that experience. Are they going to continue through the zone and all of a sudden it looks like Mertz is thrown at three yards behind him because he was expecting the guy to stop? Those sorts of things are the things that I think you might want to look for, especially in the spring game, to see where these guys are. Now, I do think they're going to be prominently uh, prominently utilized in the spring game. I think everybody's going to come out of the spring game excited about what they've yeah. seen with these guys. <laughs> and so we'll see whether that expectation or whether that, that – uh, well, one that whether that expectation 
expectation is good, and two, whether or not um, that sort of puts a burden on these guys that that makes us think they're going to be fantastic. And just look, the reality is, is once you get in the SEC, everybody's just as fast as you are, and so uh, you know you're not just going to be able to outfast everyone. You're going to have to have skills. You're going to have to build in all these skills. Billy Gonzalez is trying to build into all the receivers right now, and certainly the guys with experience, I think, have a leg up. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. I do I, I like you. Will. I do expect Thursday night these guys to be, to be featured prominently uh, in this past game. Be interesting to see how the teams are broken up and, and see if they're on the same squad. I, I if, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You know, I'm sure the depth chart will be released at some point Tuesday or Wednesday uh, before the game, and we can overanalyze the uh, the depth chart for the for a spring game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see. I, I, I'm like you. I do expect those guys to be uh, getting. Getting, getting a high number of targets uh, and, and some catches, hopefully making some big plays there on Thursday night uh, under the lights in the swamp for the spring game. So, yeah, excited to see those those, those young freshmen, Eugene Wilson, to add to that duo in the fall. But speaking of Thursday night in the orange and blue game, we'll just give a quick outlook of, uh, you know, what just kind of what we're looking for uh, in, in the spring game. Uh, one thing, and now I'll, I'll pop it up here. Harrison, Chan- Harrison Sanchez sent in in the YouTube chat. David Will, is it a red flag to you that Mertz has not separated himself as a number one quarterback yet? So, man, that's, I tell you, that's an interesting, interesting topic. You know, I'll get, come into the spring and I kind of proposed, you know, maybe this layout a bit for Graham Mertz. You know, he is behind two other quarterbacks who had some experience in, in this offense, you know, would he be able uh, to separate himself and what would it say if he doesn't, or, you know, at, would it be halfway through the spring or would it be after spring, you know, even, even would it be made publicly now talking to enough people and you know, going behind the scenes a bit. I do think it's, it's still a tightly contested battle. I'd probably still lean merch right now, but as you kind of said here, Harrison, it's not not really a whole lot of separation here uh, for Graham Mertz and probably Jack Miller uh, as the top two right now. So I don't know if I, I I I don't know where I'm at with it yet. I don't know if would, would I rather I think would it be more ideal if we had here? Yeah, he's separated. He's by far the the better quarterback out there. Yeah, I'd probably I'd rather that be the case. Uh, but I don't necessarily know it's still a red flag yet that. Uh, that we that we haven't heard so, and then at least publicly, I don't think Billy Napier. I mean, look, we talked to. I asked him about it last week. You know, he's not necessarily ready anytime soon uh, to name it, at least publicly. Uh, so, red flag, yes, concern. I won't go that far yet, Will. I mean, look, I think it all comes down to expectations. I mean, whenever whenever we have sky-high expectations and the reality is below that, we get upset. Whenever we have very low expectations and someone exceeds that, then we're happy. And so one of the reasons freshmen are so much fun is that you sort of go in with kind of, we don't know which one of these guys is going to succeed, and one of them pops up, and hey, he's exceeded expectations, so we're very happy about it. Then they come back for their sophomore year. We expect them to take another jump, and if they just reproduce what they did their freshman year, we go, well, that was kind of underwhelming just because of expectations, <laughs> not not because the productivity changed. And I think that's the question with Graham Mertz is I don't have enormous expectations for what Graham Mertz is going to do. I think he's going to be a serviceable quarterback who ends up right around average. I think that's probably where he ends up. Maybe he exceeds that a little bit and ends up being slightly above average. I don't think he's going to be able to replicate the overall productivity that Anthony Richardson had last year, but I think he might be more consistent. And that might be what this offense needs in order to win eight or nine games. 
as opposed to last year where, you know, we're scoring 40 points against FSU and Tennessee, but it's not enough to win those games because those teams, I think they average 42. Georgia, Florida State, LSU, and uh, and Tennessee averaged 42.5 points against Florida last year. So you, you could get a great performance from a guy like Anthony Richardson. didn't make any difference. Um, I think – so what are my expectations? My expectations are quarterback rating around 135, 140, a guy who's managing the offense, runs the quick game well, and is able to make Florida much more reliable in the red zone. And if he can do all of those things, I think the offense will approximate what it was able to do last year. But I still think we'll be looking at it at the end of the year going, is Graham Mertz the long-term solution at quarterback? No, he's a bridge to guys like DJ Lackway and Austin Simmons. That's just the reality. I think you can probably say the same thing about Jack Miller in terms of expectations. I actually think Miller probably has a little bit more upside just because he's able to run the ball a little bit more than than Mertz is but again you know if you're sitting there sort of splitting hairs like I don't think either one of them profiles is a guy who's going to separate so my expectations were that there wasn't going to be any separation so it's not a red flag sort of meeting what my expectations are if Mertz had separated himself I don't know what we would say about that I don't know whether we would say well that's because Mertz has definitively improved and that Wisconsin offense was garbage or whether we would say Mertz is separated just because the other guys on the roster aren't really all that good, right? And and we'd, we'd have the same question. It's the same thing in the spring game when you watch the offense play the defense and one lights up the other. You go, huh, like I wonder which one it is. Is one of them right. good the other one, or, or is the other one bad? And you sort of ask that question. So a red flag, nah, I think it sort of fits within the expectations of what we would have thought. If Mertz was running away with a job, could be a red flag. I think what what the red flag is going to be who comes in in the transfer portal or, you know, there's been talk about Austin Simmons reclassifying and coming in with the 23 class, right. what, whatever ends up happening at that quarterback position, I think will tell us a lot about what's happened in the spring. Right. I think that's going to tell us more than any separation of the quarterbacks or who plays what in the spring game and all that sort of stuff. If those guys are evenly matched and Napier doesn't think they're good enough to win in the sec, you'll know by who comes into the transfer portal. If those guys are neck and neck and Napier thinks they're both good enough to win in the SEC, I think you'll also know by who comes in in the transfer portal. And so I think that's probably the thing where you watch and try to understand exactly what's going on at that position. Yeah, Thursday night would be interesting to see maybe how the teams are broken up. You know, I wouldn't even really go by who lines up with quote-unquote first team if that's what we get, you know, if we, if we get a – is it is it a mix up of rosters? Is it you know first team, second team? Is that is all that clear? Last year it was pretty clear. You know Anthony Richardson was there with the ones. You you saw that Jack Miller there with the twos. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out. You know those guys took the majority of the snaps in the spring game last year. Uh, I wonder if you know this if it's the same. That's probably something I'll be looking for. I do think it doesn't really matter. Both guys will get reps with the ones. It's kind of how it's been throughout all the spring practice so far. So. Whoever, if there is a one offense, whoever gets to start, not necessarily going to signify anything to me, given what we've been hearing all spring anyway. Uh, but well, I think a lot of it does come to, you know, what are your expectations of Jack Miller? Because he's been there. You know, I haven't been that high on him ever since he transferred from Ohio State. Anyway, if there isn't any separation, that's probably where my concern comes in the most because I, but my expectations are just not high there. Uh, and I, you know, I saw it in the chat, you know, is, there the possibility that he's better <laughs> than we believe. Maybe so. Maybe so. I think you know that injury uh, in the bowl game performance last year. You know, we'll, we'll see how much that meant uh, for Jack Miller uh, coming into to this season. But speaking more specifically for Thursday night offense, you know, quarterbacks are a given uh, there. But well, I'm just gonna I'm gonna point him out. I pointed him out coming into spring ball. I'm gonna point him out again in the spring game. 
One reason, they were a huge factor last year in the spring game, but the tight ends. I want to see if Arliss Bordingham gets the targets, is that guy run after the catch, making some things happen uh, right here. If it, it kind of translates from everything that we've heard all throughout spring of him being unguardable at times, is you know, is he going to be able to, to garner some catches uh, there? But we, look, we don't know. It's so weird for both sides of the ball. The combinations, you know, the offensive line we've already heard is beat up a bit. So start, Florida starting five offensive linemen may not even play together uh, in the spring game. Uh, you know, we'll, it, it, we'll, see, we'll see how that goes and what that means. But – you know, it's hard to know what to take away there. But if we're just going to look for specific players, the quarterbacks, of course, and on offense for me, some of those young offensive linemen, Najee Harris, is he living up to the recent you know, hype put on him as a true freshman there playing with some of the starters along the offensive line? And then one, Arliss Boardingham uh, at the tight end position. We mentioned the receivers already and how we expect those guys to have a – those freshman receivers to have a big night Thursday night. But Arliss Boardingham, one player in particular that I'm looking for. No, that's cool. I, I think that makes sense. The only thing I will throw out there is that Dante Zanders was the leading receiver in last year's spring <laughs> game, had five receptions for 56 yards, and yep. then uh, was not necessarily uh, a huge it may contributor not tell us on anything. the offensive side of the ball as the season went along. So that's something to throw out there. I'm really interested to understand on the offensive side of the ball, I'm interested to understand what the offensive line configuration looks like. Yeah, like, I think there's been some discussion about Mazuka. Obviously, with injuries, he may not be in there. But you look at some of these guys, how much time is a guy like Kanta Goodwin going to get at right tackle? Um, you know, you've got you've, you've got Jake Slaughter there at center and sort of what are the combinations? Who are the who are the seven or eight or nine guys that Napier and company really feel comfortable with? Who are the guys who are able to succeed on that side of the ball? Now, obviously, Florida struggled to get pressure last year, so it's going to be that same question I talked about earlier. Is the offensive line succeeding or is it the defensive line struggling? But given that I suspect they're going to um, shuffle the offensive line quite a bit between the two units, I suspect you might get some matchups where, say, you know, George or Harad is up against an edge rusher, and then Goodwin will be up against him on the next drive. And so you might be able to make some comparisons there on the offensive line in terms of who's really successful because they'll have the same defender going against them. So if they set things up, Excuse me. If they set things up appropriately, then there might be an ability to make those sorts of comparisons. The offensive line is the place where I'm the most worried. Billy Napier wants to run the ball 60% of the time. There's not a lot of continuity on the offensive line. And so is that continuity there? If the defense runs stunts, are guys able to pick it up? Can they stop guys rushing off the edge? All those sorts of things are the types of things I'll be looking for. Yep, on defense, we'll go to that before we sign off here on this episode. Uh, I'll go start up front, Will. I want to see the transfers. Uh, I've heard a lot about Noah Banks. I've heard a lot about Cam Jackson uh, being disruptive, creating all kinds of havoc up front. Uh, maybe someone expected me for, for me from Cam Jackson, if you go back to, to the preview of spring, but Noah Banks, maybe him he, he coming along a little faster uh, this spring than, may, than maybe I expected with you know that body transformation that, that he wanted so badly leaving the Louisville and coming to Florida. Uh, either that, uh, you know, the, those two transfers up front, you know, are they going to be broken up? Are they going to be playing together uh, a, a bit? You know, I do think Cam Jackson's starting up front with, you know, Adez Watson, uh, Justice Boone, a Princeton Human Miel, and maybe for your front four. So Banks may be on the other team. So maybe not seeing them together. Uh, but I don't think you have to see them together to get what I'm looking for uh, here from those two guys. And overall on defense, Will, go out there and make some tackles. I want to see some tackles. We've seen some missed tackles all throughout the last couple of years. We've seen it in highlights a little bit so far this spring as well. Hopefully it doesn't translate there uh, coming up to the spring game on Thursday night and, uh, the, and, and the season, of course. Uh, but uh, just because we've 
haven't seen it on any kind of consistent basis the last few years. Go out there, make some tackles. I want to see some clean tackles. Not only a lot of yards after the catch. Um, now, don't get me wrong. As you said, it's a catch 22. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing some running backs break some tackles and break some long runs at the same time. So, you know, maybe give or take uh, on both sides, but definitely want to see, you know, some, some, some form tackling, not a lot of missed tackles just because it's just going to bring in our head of just the struggles they've had in that area the last couple of years. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with everything you said. I think the one guy I'm going to be watching is Manny Nunnery. Mm. I want to know, does Florida have a guy who can compete at an SEC level from an athleticism perspective at the linebacker position? So I love Ventrell Miller, but whenever they got somebody like Nigel Harris, when Alabama got him Ooh. out in, and, and put Ventrell Miller on him in coverage, or Wingo, or, or Amari Bernie, or anyone on coverage on a truly – good running back. Florida has struggled for years. I mean, David Reese struggled. There was a Dia, game against the even, even the athletic Diabate struggled there in that. So. I mean, look, they haven't been able to cover a running back coming out of the backfield in about a decade. And so <laughs> I want that. This is a guy who started as a safety, did, made all sorts of plays on special teams at Houston, tests off the charts from a physical ability perspective. And now they're moving him to and, – and he played linebacker last year. He's going to be a linebacker at Florida. Do they really have a three-down linebacker in Manny Nunnery? So I'm going to kind of be looking to see how he sheds blocks and tackles because yeah. I don't think the athleticism and getting guys in coverage is going to be the issue. I think the issue is, is he going to be physical enough to hold up a linebacker in the SEC? Certainly you got Taraja Mitchell in there. You've got Shamar James. You're going to have some guys that he's competing with. But if you've got a guy who can be a three-down linebacker in there and can go side to side and match up with some of these guys and, you know, hey, you're going to have to take on Brock Bowers and yeah. those sorts of guys at tight end. If you've got a guy who's athletic enough to guard a guy like Bowers in coverage, well, now what can you do? Now you can have sort of base defenses. You don't have to put nickels and dimes out there because – and, and, and expose yourself to the running game if you've got a guy like Nunnery. So I'm going to be paying attention to him. The other guy I'm going to be paying attention to is Jadon Hill. That's a guy that they're mm. moving into they're star. Yep. And so, again, they're going to play a base nickel defense with Jadon Hill at the star. That's different than playing outside corner. I think he's probably better suited to that star position. I think he's going to have an opportunity to be a shutdown guy. And so with Jason Marshall hopefully taking a step on the outside, if you've got a guy in the slot, now you've got – a whole host of guys at the other corner position on the outside, but you're now forcing the offense to start to go outside to make plays. And I think that fits with Hill. I think that fits with Nunnery. If you've got guys on the inside who have the physical ability to hold up against the running game, but then also have the coverage skills to make the quarterback go to his second or third read, now your defensive line can get to the quarterback. And I think, you know, look, the defensive line did not do a good enough job of getting to the quarterback last year, but in many ways that was because the minute the quarterback hit the back step of his drop, his number one read was wider. Mm -hmm. And so you know, you're typically reading from one side of the field to the other. You know what you're doing based on the defense and the defense's alignment. You got to win some physical battles. You got to win some one-on-one -on -one battles, and Florida didn't win many of those last year. And so Nunnery, I think, has the athletic ability to do that. I think Hill has the ability to do that on the inside. That's what I'll be looking for is what are those guys able to do in those positions because I think they can bring something to the defense that just was not there last year. And, and a stop. I'd like to see a stop. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, there we go. That's kind of where I was going next. That, 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 is, that is kind of funny. I don't know the format of the game, Will. So, and I don't remember how – I don't remember offhand how Napier did it last year, but how aggressive will he let Austin Armstrong be? We've heard about this aggression all spring. We've heard about the, the players being – look, the hype's going to be there. 
Uh, you know, he, he, he gets the players hype and, and there's a lot of excitement and they're bouncing around. But what about the, the, the aggressiveness that we hear? How, how much blitzing is Billy Napier going to allow Austin Armstrong to, to, to bring? All these exotic looks. Now, of course, you don't want to put too much out there on spring, and but you want these players to play within the system and within the scheme and, and learn there. So I think we'll see some of it, but uh, you know, kind of even overall on defense, you know, maybe a pep in the step, uh, some aggression there that really does translate into some better production. I mean, if it were up to me, I'd say blitz the hell out of everybody and make sure that <laughs> make sure that the offense knows what it's doing. Exactly, right? because yep. Utah is not going to come in the first week and be like, "Well, it's the first quarter. We're going to let you ease right into it." They're going to try to put pressure on Mertz or or Miller and force them to make mistakes. They're going to test the continuity of the of the offensive line. I think you'll know pretty early on if Florida runs a couple of stunts, you'll be like, "Okay, this is yeah. the real defense." Yeah. If they just sit there and try to go one on one and say, "Let's see who can win the physical battles," well, that tells you something, but not quite as much as. Right. Because a big part of a big part of offensive line play, a big part of quarterback play is not necessarily do you win the physical battle. It's can you deal with the chess match when all of a sudden the defense is sending four guys from one side and the right tackle sitting there with nobody to block. Like what do you do? Is the offensive line able to pick those guys up? Are you able to make side adjustments? Are you able to to get out of, to get the ball out to hot routes and all those sorts of things? Um, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't suspect they're going to give him the opportunity to do that. I think in the scrimmages, they're probably doing that yeah. and playing the yeah. full defense. I think in this one, they'll play it a little bit close to the chest. But uh, how, many know, again, times, I, how many times does Princely fall back into coverage and, uh, and, and, and Scooby comes around with the blitz instead? So, yeah, I tell you I, what, I, what I don't know if, how much if, if, Antoine, if Antoine Paul Ry- Powell Ryland falls into coverage in a zone on a wide receiver, I might lose it because every time. Every time they did that last year, it turned into a giant play. I love Paul Ryland. He's great as an edge rusher. He ain't a guy who should be guarding wide receivers in a, in a zone, at least not on a regular basis. Look, you can do that sometimes, but when you're doing that a ton, you're going to run into yeah. problems. And, yeah. and you know, one of the things that you've heard universally about Austin Armstrong is that he's just aggressive. And, and you know, the – reading between the lines is that the energy and the aggressiveness was not there last year under Patrick. Mm-hmm. Tony. Like they're, they're saying nice things about Armstrong, yeah. but, but they're they're The fact that they're making those statements indicate that those things were missing last year. And, and so look, I mean, Patrick, Tony is a more laid back guy. Austin Armstrong, clearly not, but I think that energy is probably the thing you're looking for. And again, the things I'm looking for in terms of Hill and Nunnery on the defensive side, I don't think you need to necessarily see the entire scheme. Yeah. I'm interested in when there's a one-on-one matchup, what's Manny Nunnery going to do? When there's a tackle or when there's a guard coming around pulling, he's going to drill him in the hole. Does he take on the block? Is he able to shed it? Is he able to make the tackle? Or does he get driven back four yards? I mean, you know, the the game against LSU a couple years ago where they just ran counter after counter after counter after counter after counter, that was just a toughness thing. That was a mm-hmm. the linebackers are getting in the hole and they're getting mauled by the guard. And, you know, they're not they were not capable of coming up aggressively enough to do what they needed to do. And you know, look, I mean, obviously you're looking at an offensive line that's developing. You're looking at linebackers who are developing. Who knows who's further on, further along at this point. But um, those things, the guys who win the physical battles at the point of attack are the things you're going to be able to find because whether you're playing a vanilla defense or whether you're going all out, at some point you're going to have to win a physical one-on-one battle. The guy who wins that physical one-on-one battle I think is going to tell us a lot about who's got the upper hand. All right, there we go. Our outlook for the spring game on Thursday night. We do get to hear from one more coach this week. Russ Calloway, new tight end coach. This will be the last one he'll speak on Tuesday. That'll kind of wrap up our spring 
spring coach car wash, I guess that's what we'll call it, Will, because this is the only time we get to hear from, from the coaches. Uh, Billy Napier allows them to speak during spring, and that's it. That's about it. You know, we don't get to hear from them during the season. Uh, so that's why we take advantage here uh, in, in spring and, and bring you all the sound bites there uh, from the coach, because this is the only time we get to hear from them. So, all right, good uh, good stuff, Will, good spring. Uh, you know, you and I will get together. What do we decide? Sunday night, right? Yeah, we'll get together a little bit sooner, kind of on the heels of the spring game. And, you know, it being a Thursday night, those just schedule off so much. You know, <laughs> putting together a podcast and putting it out on a Friday is not usually ideal because, the you know, a lot of people don't listen on the weekends, you know, because they're not out and about. But uh, spring game usually brings it. But uh, Will and I will get together on Sunday as soon as we can for you guys, um, you know, to, to, to give you our thoughts uh, from what happens on Thursday night. Will, uh, anything coming up at Reading Reaction for uh, spring game week? Yeah, so as of right now, I've got something up there that's talking about the uh, commitment of Austin Simmons. So if you want to go over there and th- see what I think about him as a quarterback prospect, that's over there. And then Thursday night, I will have up. You know, I'm, I'm the stuff people seem to like for the site is always the uh, the post game stuff. So I'll have, I'll have an article up there that's uh, that's looking at the spring game, sort of highlighting some of the some of the things that I've seen, hopefully on film that are good, some that are bad, and, and sort of indicate what what I think that may mean for the team moving forward. So certainly, you can look for a spring breakdown over there. All right, readmeaction.com, readmeaction YouTube, and Will Miles SEC on Twitter. That'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button before we end it right here. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for joining us on this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>